Welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby, Life After Downton. I believe this is our seventh episode, still living after Downton, still living as 2016 comes to a close, which feels like an accomplishment. And <laughs> we will be celebrating some of our favorite TV moments or shows or characters or just things that brought us joy on television in 2016. I am Brandy in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon in Oakland. And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. This was a hard list to put together. I watch a lot of shows, you guys. It's also hard to remember what happened what year. The older I get, it all blends together. <laughs> yeah, I was on I was on some Wikipedia episode lists for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, which just leads farther down the rabbit hole of different things that I wish I could talk about. We are each going to count down our top five, and then I'm sure we will have some honorable mentions to run through at the end because, you know, we don't want to leave anything out. We, we love everything that we love. I will start if y'all don't mind me going first. Number five, my uh, gleeful joy that Team Michael won on Jane the Virgin <laughs> and that Jane lost her virginity, which we know is a social construct that isn't really real because we've all watched Teresa's documentary, but they boned down. They did it. They are boning people now. People who bone. And I love Michael so much. I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled at their little domestic life. And that is my first thing that brought me joy in 2016. What a great way to open this episode. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I understand... People like Raphael. I just, I think you're deluded if you ever thought that he and Jane were actually meant to be together for the long run. She and Michael are perfect together. I was devastated when I thought they were going to kill him off. And now they are happy together. And I don't care how boring they are. I love it. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to go next uh, because I think I need to because uh, my number five pick is from Downton Abbey. Let us not forget that season six was this year. And out of many, many favorite scenes, I have decided to pick the scene where Septimus Spratt is revealed to be Cassandra Jones. (laughs) Excellent. Talk about sheer joy. I think that I levitated to the ceiling when that reveal (laughs) happened. So... So that's that's See, my I number thought five maybe pick. you were gonna have like Edith's wedding. No, not Edith's <laughs> wedding. Cassandra Jones. Oh, that's a good one. Cassandra Jones. It was just oh, unexpected. Delightful. Who expected it? And then when you think back, you're like, of course he's Cassandra Jones. And this is when Julian Fellows is a genius. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So my number five is uh, not as lighthearted, but it did finally bring some humor to quite a serious show, which is Maeve and the robots taking over Westworld, uh, Hector and the snake girl seeking their revenge and just going fucking ape shit on everyone, (laughs) which was so satisfying and so wonderful. And Hector and snake girl don't know what her name is. Maybe she has one. I don't know, but she's snake girl to me. They were so hilarious, and it was just such like a vigilante revenge bloodbath. It was amazing. Worthy of Quentin Tarantino, I think. Yeah, which I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. How many levels are in this place? Like, they're on the elevator for like two solid minutes (laughs) trying to get out of there. There's got to be room for like Samurai World and Medieval World and Mermaid World and I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot there that we don't know about yet. I want Jane Austen World, personally. Less killing, more manners. (laughs) More polite dancing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) More staring across the room. (laughs) Yes. You just want your host to stare furtively at you, not to come up and and proposition you for a dollar. Exactly. (laughs) I just want to flirt with witty men, okay? That's all I want. Moving on to my number four. Uh, This is a show I know you guys don't watch, but uh, I'm established as a huge fan of Supergirl. And I want to discuss the coming out of Alex, Supergirl's sister. Um, I think when we um, did our episode a while ago talking about queer characters, we discussed how there's a little bit of an issue where gay characters don't just exist in the narrative. They have to come out and have these coming out stories. 
So I get that that's a little much, but also it's totally fitting for a superhero show that is all about secret identities. And they really um, did that theme nicely where this has kind of been Alex's secret identity. Cause she's, she's not a superhero. She's just like a badass secret agent. And her realization that, you know, some of the reason she's been so closed off and so focused on her job is because she wasn't ready to admit what she really wanted her personal life to be, um, was played really, really well. Um, the actresses, uh, Shyler Lee, she does, she did a great job. And particularly there's just a heartbreaking scene where she realizes that the woman who's made all these feelings blossom in her and made her like face who she really is doesn't actually want to date her and the like devastation the, like sobbing devastation is so real because sometimes a crush really does matter that much and I just think it was really well done and uh so far her love interest is alive and they're promising she'll stay alive so hopefully this won't be a a barrier gaze situation but uh I just really really loved that storyline and wanted to highlight it cool I should really watch Supergirl shouldn't I it's a very delightful show. Okay. I really, really like it. So my number four pick, um, this was really tough because I had too many that I loved. So I decided I would create a tie for number four. Oh, that's cheating. Two shows that are actually related. No, that's Just cheating. Just a second. The shows are related. <laughs> the scenes are related. You will see why. And, I, and I'm very happy to speak to both of them um, at the same time. So... The first show is Insecure, premiere, and the second show is Fleabag, episode three. So Insecure is on HBO. We've talked about it before. Fleabag is on Amazon Prime. It's a British show created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So both Issa Rae and Phoebe Waller-Bridge are kind of new to at least the American audiences. Um, they are both doing shows about being young women, trying to sort of figure out their place in the world trying to figure out their romantic life, trying to deal with all sorts of challenges around them. And so uh, my insecure pick is the broken pussy rap, <laughs> partly because, you know, she's rapping broken pussy, but also because it sets in motion a whole chain of events that have repercussions until the very end of the first season. It's sort of like the Mr. Pamuk of Insecure. Yeah, it is. It's really <laughs> right? brilliant. It is brilliant. And then in Fleabag, the, the scene I've picked is uh, the where's my vagina scene. <laughs> so broken pussy, where's my <laughs> vagina? Do you understand what I'm doing here? I see. So, I see the connection now. Right. And I don't think that um, Fleabag is as well known, but I highly recommend it. It's really a mix of uh, like a lot of promiscuous sex and death and love and sisterhood and uh, just a really filthy main character who does the best asides to the camera that I've ever seen in my life. And whereas my vagina is um, Fleabag, the main character, going to a sex shop because she wants to buy her kind of uptight sister a birthday present. And she goes with this guy whose name is Bus Rodent because she met him on the bus <laughs> and he has giant front teeth that make him look like a rodent. Aww. And uh, he's sort of fiddling with the fake... Uh, Okay, they're vulvas, but let's just call them vagina for the purposes of this uh, episode. He's fiddling with these fake vaginas, and she says, well, I actually have one of those. And he's, like, stunned that she has a vagina, and she's talking about her own, of course, but he doesn't get it. And she keeps <laughs> looking at the audience going, not getting it. You kind of have to watch it. There is a YouTube clip of this. <laughs> so I've heard amazing things about this show. I definitely want to check it out it's a it's a really fleabag is a great show um it is really funny and also really painful uh and it is only six episodes long it's a very short time commitment to phoebe waller bridge who is just an amazing uh great voice and i've also realized that i haven't turned my television on in six months i don't watch anything on television anymore i stream <laughs> everything on my laptop so you can see by my choices, these are all things that I have, I'm paying to stream on my computer. My number four is my wild card pick, because guess what? It's not fiction. What? 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 Is it something from the Great British Bake Off? <laughs> 
What other guesses do you have? Uh, uh, OJ? Is it OJ? No. 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 Okay. Top, something Top Chef? No. My number four is the U.S. Women of the Olympics. Oh, <laughs> very good. Because right. they were badasses at the Olympics. I am a huge Olympics fan. The U.S. women's gymnastics team could be it entirety, entirely, but we also have Katie Ledecky breaking all these world records in swimming, and women just dominated. Yeah. But of course, Simone Biles just killing it. Her floor routine is one of my highlights of 2016, but just the pure feminist power of the women at the Olympics was such a joy for me. It's a great pick. Great wild card. Didn't see that coming. Thank you. Wild card. It feels like so long since the Olympics. <laughs> I know. It was only a I know. few months ago. That's how I get you. The stuff from like earlier oh. in the year always feels so long ago, which is why people release Oscar bait films at the end of the year so nobody forgets about them it was four months Absolutely. ago guys it wasn't even it wasn't even half a year <laughs> i know it feels like a long time ago it's been a long you know this was the guys. longest fall of all time <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. all right great pick uh moving on to my number three I am going to pick the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha episode of the people versus oj simpson totally knew you were going to do that one <laughs> Um, specifically, you know, Sarah Paulson's performance, especially, you know, I really hope she and Sterling K. Brown work together again at some point because they are just incredible on screen together. And this was a series that had several episodes that were just stunning. Overall, I loved the whole thing. But you gotta pick Marsha, right? You gotta pick this as the one uh, to highlight out of everything because... The way that they were able to redeem this poor real woman who went through hell and, you know, people talked about this all summer and now it feels even more relevant Mm -hmm. in our current (laughs) political realm. Uh, Just what women in the public eye doing well at their jobs that are in male-dominated fields, the shit that they go through. I mean, there are still endless stories to be told about women who are just trying to be as good as they are and people won't let them. I look forward to watching the series again. And I just think, you know, of course she's been winning all the awards for it and everything, but um, I'm glad to see it now popping up on everyone's best of 2016 lists and not getting lost since it was a mini series rather than a, a full series. I love that Sarah Paulson brought Marsha Clark to the Emmys with her. Yeah, that was really cool. One of my favorite parts of that episode is when she's buying tampons. Because <laughs> you never see women buy tampons. And it's something we do every month. I- I'll yep. have you know that there is a scene in Fleabag where she's buying tampons. Okay, well now I'm really interested. <laughs> this is the content we demand. <laughs> We do. She's yeah. buying tampons and she's hesitating between the regular and the super. And she finally yeah. deals with the fact that she really needs to buy the super tampons. Right. Even though she's vaguely embarrassed about this. And then she meets one of her um, booty call guys who's flirting with oh, her. Girl, you got to get the variety pack. You got to have, you got to be ready for all contingencies. True. You just never know what's yeah. going to go on down there. That's true. But sometimes you just got to admit to yourself, I'm a super flow girl. It's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so my number three is a bit esoteric, but that's okay. Um, So last year I voted one of my top five female characters from last year was uh, Princess Carolyn from BoJack Horseman, which I absolutely adore. It's on Netflix. And this year I'm going to pick one of my very favorite moments uh, in episode 10 of BoJack Horseman. This is an episode where Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter are for some reason reading the oscar nominees i don't know what i think uh and anyway they lose the envelope with all the nominees in it mm-hmm. and because they know that nominations are bogus anyway they decide to just make up the nominees they're just going to make them up and put them in the envelope and they figure no one's going to know because the nominations are so stupid anyway yeah it's like the tom hanks story right, starring tom right. hanks the kind of so, stuff that they come up with so there's a point where they've got a giant whiteboard 
And they're basically writing out all of their choices for all of the categories. And it's like makes every Oscar joke possible. So under best actor, it lists all these people who sound like George Clooney and Brad Pitt, but they're different names. But also it says somebody black and then that's crossed out <laughs> and for best actress the nominees are jennifer lawrence three different times and kate blanchett two times so they're jokes like that but here's the best thing and it's on screen for like a few seconds under best director there are five female directors nicole holfcenter ava duvernay gina prince bythewood mary heron and anna lily amrapour and this joke requires this level of knowledge that understands that A, women are never nominated for Academy Awards for Best Director, except for maybe three exceptions. These are all women who are working on independent films, and um, there they are on this list. So I told you it was esoteric. But when I saw that, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this show is so fucking feminist, I can't stand it. They're making an obscure joke about women directors and Oscars that goes by in five seconds, and it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, uh, you and I have talked about BoJack a little bit on the podcast before, and uh, the creator's commitment to having gender parity in background characters, even though they're animals. Um, yes. Of course, like the, the main designer for the show is a woman. Um, I'm really glad you included something because I also, I did not, but I considered including both the silent episode, which is incredible. The underwater episode mm -hmm. this season um, has been showing up on top 10 lists. Um, and also um, just Princess Carolyn's little love story, the cat loving the mouse. <laughs> Was oh, that is beautiful. So beautiful, True. right? I mean, I don't yeah. know if it's going to last. Bojack is, um, at its core, kind of a show about making the same mistakes over and over again. So we'll see if Princess Carolyn gets it right this time. But, uh, God, what a good show. I have, and it's I, such a good I admit, show. I'm a sucker for showbiz jokes and satire. But just it's really, really a good show. I, I just want to, I may as well mention now the episode uh, with the, the abortion episode as it's known, mm -hmm. which is like one of the smartest episodes about abortion ever. And Sextina Aquafina or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Sextina Aquafina who pretends to have had an abortion uh, because it makes her more popular on Twitter. It, it, I can't explain this show. You really just have to watch yeah. it because it makes no sense coming out of my mouth. Um, anyway, Bojack Horseman. Awesome. Well, mine is a very dramatic moment, uh, full of a lot of pageantry, and uh, it's very regal, which is in the crown when um, the father has died and Queen Mary in her black veil bows to Queen Elizabeth II and is like, this bitch is queen. And it's just so <laughs> dramatic yes. and it's so beautiful and it just took my breath away and gave me goosebumps of just like, wow, this is a big moment. That was a great, great moment. Mm -hmm. And it's very early in the series. It, it ends one of the episodes, I think right? it's the second episode. And it's just like, nothing yeah. will be the same again. And it's like, wow, the matriarch is now bowing to her granddaughter. And mm -hmm. it's like, wow, you just feel her power growing and she's not quite ready for it. And it's just... They just went there, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit of a drag queen moment, but they just went there and it just, it really makes you feel it. And, and Queen Mary is, has this giant black cloth draped over her head. So you can't see her head or her face or anything when she's doing yeah, this. That's the drag queen moment. She's it's just like so <laughs> over the top. It's just so over the top. And they're just like, no, 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 no. We're going to go as big as possible, and it's going to work. And it does. It completely works. And uh, it's it's an incredible moment. It's incredible. And she also looks like this black demon, sort of this, <laughs> this like, portent of things to come. Right. Like, it, you, like is it a good thing? I don't know. You know? It right. Is it doesn't look kind good. Kind of like a vision, yeah. an apparition of like, ooh. Yes. Exactly. 
Awesome. Oh my God. We're already to number two. This means these are the juicy ones. We're getting into the home stretch. Number two, and I will be shocked if this isn't number two or number one for either or both of you. The opening 25 minute sequence of the Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? I knew one of you would say that, so I didn't even like waste a slot. I have a different moment from Game of Thrones. Different Game of Thrones moment? Okay. Like the, that was just, I mean, I went back and watched it over again several times. Just masterful visual storytelling, such amazing acting with minimal dialogue. And just the culmination of so many storylines, which we really don't always get a lot of on the show, where it feels like some stuff finally came to its climax and like the game has changed. It's kind of like what the moment that you just said, Shannon, like everything's going to be different from now on. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was incredible, uh, incredible TV. You know, just, it's amazing the things that they can accomplish on that show when they're really firing on all cylinders. And of course, Cersei is just such a fantastic Drinking character. her wine. You don't have to tell me. She's my favorite character ever. Yeah, I know it's not a controversial <laughs> opinion on this show. It's not exactly original. Whatever. Look, you're competing against Cersei, you're going to lose. Okay? She's... Yeah. I can't... She has got to win an award by the end of the show. Like, if she doesn't win a golden so. globe or an emmy i'm just gonna light myself on fire and protest it's just she's no, so don't do I'm, that okay i'm alluding to an, the pilot of arrested development the, that that opening was so great i didn't breathe from the beginning to the end of that it was sheer perfection yeah that and the battle of the bastards were yep. two incredible yeah episodes that it's just like how can anyone really compete against this for directing and and art direction and they are in a class of their own yeah yeah well they're in a budget of their own yes so. <laughs> true well thank you for mentioning that i figured someone was going to mention it um so i could just pick another really idiosyncratic uh, moment. So my number two is from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, episode 113, which is called Josh and I Go to Los Angeles. Uh, if you remember, this is where she uh, tries to win a big case for West Covina uh, to do with their water yeah. supply. And she thinks that if she does that, Josh will love her. There are notable things that happen in this episode um, Daryl and White Josh have their first kiss very publicly mm -hmm. on the steps of the L.A. courthouse. Greg realizes he's really in love with Rebecca and rushes to L.A. but doesn't, doesn't find her. But for me, the greatest moment in that episode and one of the greatest moments in the whole series was the um, Jap rap battle oh, yeah. <laughs> between Rebecca and her arch nemesis, Audra Levine. This is such a gift for me who grew up in the Jewish suburbs of Toronto to watch these two women rap just full of references that nobody else will get if you did not grow up in the <laughs> Jewish suburbs of somewhere. I totally got it Only Jews up in Scottsdale, which <laughs> exactly. I'm not Jewish, but I was an honorary Jew and I, I got every reference and it is brilliant. It's brilliant. If you grew up in West Bloomfield, Michigan, like my friend Kristen did, even though she's Catholic, she would get all the references too. So this was a rap battle between two, quote, alpha Shebrews. Um, <laughs> two other of my favorite lines is, I put the OG in the 5.0 GPA. And... Uh, you're tripping like birthright. Yeah, that was good. I'm just gonna let people look that up. Yeah, it's really, it's just awesome. And I really, I really appreciate how, how Jewish crazy ex-girlfriend is, how sort of unapologetically full of Jewish jokes and references it is in a way that isn't particularly exploitative in any way or stereotypical. It's just like the real thing. I thank them for it, and I loved the Jap rap. I almost included a moment from the new season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on my top five because I just think they are really doing well of digging into the 
friendship at the core of the story, uh, Rebecca and Paula, and the fight that the two of them get into on, I believe, episode six of this season is just fantastic writing, fantastic acting, really paying off basically everything that's happened between them over the course of the show. Um, and then on the next episode, they do like an 80s power ballad rock thing about how they wish they could make up, but they both want the other one to apologize first. And it is <laughs> one of the best songs they've done. Every time they cut back to an, to one of them, they have a bigger wig on. And it's just so, <laughs> so funny and so true. And just like actually a really good song if you like 80s hair bands, which I do. <laughs> So that show, I don't know how they do it. How do they, it's so intricate. There's so much work that has to go into every single like four minute long music video could be an entire episode of a sitcom, the level of effort I'm sure that goes into it. It's just, they must never do anything else but work on the show. Well, and the, and the songs are mostly good. Like it's really rare that I'm like, oh, this song isn't that great. And I'm like, but none of them are terrible. That's really weird. That, that show is astonishing, and I know that it's had a lot of critical support, but more and more of my friends like show up on Facebook going, I just discovered the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's so awesome. How come no one told me how awesome it was? And I'm like, I've been telling you for a year how yeah. awesome it is. It doesn't matter how many times you say it until the first season's on Netflix, though. <laughs> this is the new <laughs> world that we live in. Right. That seems correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was a perfect intro to my number two, which is the amazing epic, raw, the best friend fight I have ever seen, which is between Issa and Molly on Insecure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yay. I love a good friend fight. Um, You know, I'm an only child, so my friendships are my siblings, so that means that sometimes I fight with them. (laughs) (laughs) And I just feel like that whole um, second episode, a second to last episode where it's um, Issa's work's fundraiser which is also on point comedy if you've ever worked at a nonprofit, which i've spent my lifetime doing then the the fight of them building throughout the party that it's like both of them are being like you're being your worst self and it's annoying the shit out of me but i love you but just ugh. and then they just have it out at the end and it's so well done mm-hmm. and then when they make up in the finale it's just real it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel fake She's like, are we still fighting? She's like, uh, bitch, I'm driving you at 2 o'clock in the morning on the PCH. Like, obviously yeah. we're fine. <laughs> you know, and it's just so amazing. That show, it took me a while to get into it, but it blew me away by its uh, vulnerability at the end. Yeah. So good. I think as an overall arc of storytelling, those eight episodes are just really impressive because a lot of the stuff in those first couple episodes that seemed like fun bits but maybe not... You know, it was just, it felt like just some world building, some fun, uh, building off the web series or whatever. Um, they come back around, like you, like Teresa, like you mentioned with the song. I mean, it is just really impressive writing. I would say it's probably my favorite show of 2016. Yeah. I, I think, mean, favorite I think... new show, Game of Thrones can always win's favorite show. But <laughs> That's true. Favorite new show, uh, I, I'm blown away by her writing. Yeah. It's the freshest new show for sure, and um, everything about it is is really so well observed and and just so wonderful. And um, I wasn't really aware of this, but apparently there is a huge contingent of Lawrence fans, which are mostly black guys, who think <laughs> that Lawrence was completely justified in what he did at the very end, and none of this is his fault. And there's this whole thing going on, this whole battle. Uh, about which one of them is right and it's like come on it's complex it's nuanced yeah 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 but that's a thing yeah they both behaved in ways they shouldn't have but yeah I I, I feel for Lawrence and I definitely am like no I I was I was like don't tell him you know it's definitely on team never tell him the truth (laughs) don't 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 but he guessed Um, it so yeah, yeah. What do you do yeah, in that yeah. situation? I know, but this is what I'm talking about. This is great writing. It's so yeah, good. It's you feel for everyone in all on all sides of the issue. No one's 100% right or 100% wrong. Yeah. Honorable mention: Kelly in the finale. 
holy shit, she's so funny. <laughs> and one of the best jokes of the year is when Issa goes, do you ever listen to yourself? She goes, all the time I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not because we're on a podcast right now, but I can see how that came out. Yeah. But it was like the way she delivered it was just gold. And I want more Kelly next season because she is hilarious. She has been up to a regular for season two. Oh, she has? Great. We'll get more Kelly. Oh, my God. I I would watch like a whole spinoff series about Kelly. She's so funny. (laughs) But yeah, that show just, I've been really craving that emotional core for so long. And, you know, girls never goes there ever. And, no. you know, even, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it, it's a little bit more lighthearted. This really yeah. got to those icky, uncomfortable, when you're really real with people moments. And uh, I loved it. I love the disintegration of their old couch on the curb. Yes. You know, like, the symbolism of the old couch. Yeah. They got a new couch, but the old couch is still there, falling apart slowly. And, and that last scene with, with Issa and Molly, you know, sitting on the couch, drinking out of the bottle mm-hmm. at the very end was really great. And it, you know, and it, and it feels like the show is ultimately about their relationship more than anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a nice, a nice way to end it. And I love that they never went for the cheap hit of that. Issa would be like, you make more money, have a nicer apartment than me. You know, like they could have just gone there and they yeah. never did. It was like the fundamental differences and just like, I hate when you're just being your worst self because I, I believe in you. I want you to be your best self, you know? And it's like, that's the shit that gets kind of hard, you know? Because that can come across judgy. And so this is where female friendships get on the rocks, you know? And they just went there. And I, I, I was just so impressed. And uh, she's brilliant. So, drum roll, please. All right, oh number one. Oh my god, I can't wait! I can't wait to hear what your number another, ones are. Another show that neither of you watch. So, <laughs> so Isn't Castle canceled? It can't be Castle. <laughs> no, and the ending of Castle was so fucking stupid that that'll count as like my biggest disappointment in 2016. Um, but no, this show is one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen in my life. Nobody watches it except me and Mo Ryan, and that is <laughs> Rectify Company oh, on oh, Rectify. Which, uh, just ended this past week, its final season, its series finale. I just, I really want to call out Aiden Young's performance as Daniel Holden, the main character. It is the kind of stuff that Brian Cranston would weep to be able to do. Like, he is... That good. And nobody talks about him because nobody watches this show and it's a travesty. He's never going to be nominated for an Emmy for this role. There's a monologue that he does in, I think, the third to last episode where he is finally facing all the shit that happened to him in prison before he got out. And he describes, to be a, a super downer, he describes in detail a sexual assault that he uh, was a victim of while he was in prison. And... That level of just pain emanating from him. I can't believe that anyone is even that good of an actor. So specifically Aiden Young and Rectify, I really hope that people discover this show on Netflix and because it belongs in the conversation of great dramas of all time. I did see the first couple seasons of it. I did. I know it's not for everyone. It's slow and meditative, and I just think it's very beautiful. Um, It's the kind of show where I just, like, I can't believe how much I love some of these characters who are people that I would, you know, there's Trump voters (laughs) in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Ray McKinnon is one of the best storytellers that we have on this planet right now. I firmly believe that, uh, and I can't wait to see what he does next, hopefully with a wider audience. That was wider, not whiter, right? A wider. <laughs> the show's very white. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Trump, Trump land. Um, cool. Yeah. So my number one moment of 2016 is from Black Mirror. And it is the episode called San Junipero. Um, San Junipero, I think, is the best episode Black Mirror has ever done. And um, 
I can't say too much about it because if you never watch a diff another episode of Black Mirror, I'm totally fine with it, but you should probably watch San Junipero. It is much um, sweeter than most other episodes. Uh, it is um, beautiful. It concerns two women who meet at a beach resort. Mackenzie Davis and Gugu Mbatha-Ra play the two women. Mackenzie Davis plays a very shy woman. Um, Gugu Mbatha-Ra plays a very outgoing woman. And as their relationship progresses, and it is a romantic thing, um, it gets very confusing because the story doesn't really make sense. And so there are a couple of really brilliant reveals and the ending is just devastatingly beautiful. And I really don't want to say anything because I think you should all watch it. Okay, but um, you're kind of pulling a Downton Abbey character of like, I can't really tell you what's going on, but if you trust me, you well, really, I can, really know I mean, you really, I can, really agree with me. I can't, I, no, you may hate it, but, but it is my number, it is my number one episode. I was kind of dumbstruck at the end of it. I started bawling uncontrollably and then was again dumbstruck. So that's all I can say. <laughs> I've definitely been meaning to watch this one. I and I know that Black Mirror, you can't judge one episode by another, but I started watching the first episode of this new season and literally couldn't get 10 minutes into it before I was like, this is the most annoying shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the episode with Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I will go back and watch this one because you're not the first person who said, like, no, this is, like, the highlight of what they've done on this show. It is it is the best episode they've ever done. And it is the most sort of different episode from from the kind of thing that you expect from Black Mirror. It's, it's just beautiful storytelling, beautiful acting, and um, it's my number one moment episode many moments uh of uh, 2016 beautiful so i took this as literal moment <laughs> and i was being a little coy earlier because it is also from the finale of game of thrones but it is when my main bitch cersei is decked out in her leather dominatrix outfit <laughs> sitting on the throne she's won what she's always wanted but she's lost everything She's got nothing to lose, and wow, I cannot wait to see what she does next season. I always felt for her that she, if she was a man, she would have had this years ago, but she's mm -hmm. had to fight so hard because she just had the unfortunate luck of being born a woman in this time, and I'm proud of her. Even though she's crazy and she's <laughs> an evil character, I'm fucking proud of her, and I love that moment. I... I can't wait for Game of Thrones to come back. I And I really feel like that moment in particular just makes me like salivate for hopefully a potential throwdown between her and grown up badass Sansa. Yeah. <laughs> um, who also is sort of entering that nothing to lose phase, you know, even though some of her siblings are still alive. Um, you know, she's getting there. She's getting closer and closer to at least feeling like that. I almost picked the moment of Sansa turning her back on the dogs eating Ramsay because that is the moment that she has really learned from Cersei. Yeah. That is pure Cersei. That's everything she learned in the Red Keep. Her strength, a lot of her strength comes from what she learned from Cersei because you have to be a cruel woman to survive in this world. Yeah. And I mean, just dogs eating Ramsay in general were the moment. <laughs> that is a great moment. Thank Christ we don't have to see him on the next season. Like, oh, honorable so mention. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into our honorable mentions then, huh? Well, I'm just going to say one of my honorable mentions was Sansa taking, taking charge in that last, um, well, first the scene where she basically says, no, we have to fight for the North. We're going to do it. Shut up. Yeah. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And, and then when she walks away from Ramsey as he's being eaten by his own dogs, both great Sansa moments. Yeah. In Game of Thrones. I think there's also like a heartbreaking moment where when they realize that Ramsey has Rickon and he's still alive, Sansa's the only one who knows that there's no use trying to save him. Right. And that kind of awareness seems to be often reserved for the female characters in this show, <laughs> which uh, it works for me. <laughs> and I really appreciate the way that the show is consistent about showing that um, relationship between 
smart women being able to see what's around them and them having very little power to make the choices to act on that information. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of moments about ladies who (laughs) the world needs to treat better. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking theme on our podcast. Shocking. But yeah, let's run through some more uh, honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, You go ahead, Brandy. I'll go first. Some, Some moments that... I love that didn't make the top five. Um, I absolutely loved Pitch, the new show this season. I think it's going to get canceled, which breaks my heart. But uh, the moment I want to call out is the episode entitled Beanball, where Ginny Baker absolutely goes ballistic because the opposing team's pitcher refuses to hit her with a pitch when he would do so if she were a man. I loved on Mr. Robot the moment of Grace Gummer's character having a super emo chat with her Alexa device, um, <laughs> which I think is probably a gimmick we're going to see on other shows, but it's already been done. Don't even bother, writers. Like, you, the, the scene has already been perfected. Just move on. The annual Brooklyn Nine-Nine Halloween heist episode was particularly hilarious this year, and uh, if you need to pick me up and you haven't watched that yet, I would recommend it. I also, spoilers for the most recent season of Orphan Black, but we unburied one of our gays on that show and got a (laughs) a wonderful um, and heartbreaking uh, reunion between Cosima and Delphine. And then uh, also I will add Edith's Wedding from Down Abbey to my list. All right. Well, I also I also had Edith's wedding because how can you not have Edith's wedding? But also when she stands up for herself to her future mother-in-law, tells her the truth mm-hmm. and is basically like, I don't care. I'm just I just have to do this. And um, she gets like public respect, which is so rare and so lovely. Yes. Um, I also had Orphan Black. Cosima and Delphine being reunited and it is really kind of sad and tragic but beautiful at the same Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. um this whole season was very good I think yes I agree I want to mention a couple of new shows um Good Girls Revolt which was on Amazon which I quite enjoyed it it was like imperfect but I thought it was a really important story to tell and it was told with style and one of the moments I really liked was um, Jane, played by Anna Camp, because anything Anna Camp does, I just absolutely adore. Uh, when she has her click moment, she thinks she's going to get a story to write. You mm-hmm. know, she's like the Joan. She's going to use her feminine persuasions, and she's just going to earn it that way. Mm-hmm. And then her boss ends up exposing himself to her, Ugh. basically. Which was just disgusting. Such an asshole. But, you know, she has her click moment. And then in the very last scene when they're basically having the press conference about their um, EEOC complaint. uh, And she's the one that does that. Also a great moment with Jane when she um, confronts her dad and just asks him to be proud of her. Because she's going to do what she's going to do anyway. Uh, (laughs) A little bit cheesier. But, I mean, her arc is really great. And, uh... I agree this show was like a little, you know, compared to something like a Mad Men, which is inevitable to compare to is a little clunky or a little less nuanced, but it really like hit a groove in the last few episodes that makes me so disappointed that there's not going to be a season two. Well, thanks for mentioning that. Um, Yeah, Amazon, despite almost entirely five star reviews and apparently very, very good numbers, Amazon decided not to renew it for a second season. And the real scandal of life imitating art is that there wasn't a single woman in the room when that decision was made. Uh, The guy that runs it just didn't really care for it or care about it and canceled it. But apparently um, Sony, who is the producer, is really interested in shopping it around somewhere else. And there is a Save Good Girls Revolt campaign on Twitter. So if you want to tweet hashtag Save Good Girls Revolt, uh, Lynn Povich would be really happy if you did that. She wrote the book that this is based on, which, by the way, is a really, really good book of the same name. Yeah. And if it doesn't get renewed, if you happen to be listening, Genevieve Angelson, I really want you to play the main role in a script I wrote. So, you know, just ping me on Twitter. I'll send it to you. <laughs> 
she really is the best part of that show, though. One of the things I actually really like about this show is that they really make a point of showing how even though the, the women have really, really serious and legitimate grievances and are treated like shit, they still have a very good relationship with the people they work with. And it's a very mm-hmm. sort of painful thing to go against them when they are all basically friends, although in a very unequal setup. Yeah. They are generally fr- genuinely friends with each other, um, which I, I kind of appreciated the nuance of that also. Yeah. I mean, I think we can relate to that. And, like any feminist can kind of relate to like your your guy friends or whatever. You're like, oh, no, I like you, but I hate men. And you're also a man. So I kind of <laughs> hate you. You know, right. <laughs> like, that's right. always kind of going to be there. <laughs> it's right. It's sad. But patriarchy is sad. Yeah. I mean, the guys support them within the limits of the incredibly unequal power structure there. Yeah. Know, so. And I didn't believe Doug for a second when he told Patty he would have been on her side if he'd known from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. You wish, you wish you would have been that big of a man, but you already proved that you wouldn't have been. Anyway. <laughs> um, the other, the other new show I wanted to mention is Good Behavior because it stars our very own Michelle Dockery. And, uh, I know that we've talked a little bit about it before. Um, I'm a little on the fence. I really loved the first few episodes and, and then got a little bit more on the fence about it but i'm i'm actually i'm i'm really excited about this role for her and yeah. it's a it's a fun show it's a strange show um i don't know brandy what do you think it is strange i like it a lot and yet um i feel like it doesn't quite know what it wants to be because it's like part heist crime show and part like sad family drama and sometimes yeah. that doesn't work so well together the right. whole her trying to get her kid thing, yeah, it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Michelle Dockery is playing the hell out of the role, though. Mm-hmm. She's really, really good. And her co-lead is really good and sexy. And I think there's there's enough to recommend it that I really hope it doesn't get canceled before it can find its way a little bit. Because I feel like if the wheels can keep turning, you know, it'll go somewhere interesting. Yeah, I think I like it. And there have been some nice twists and surprises in the story, um, and far, far, far more interesting than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. yeah, my fingers are crossed for good behavior. It's a great pilot. Yeah. I think if they just got rid of her trying to get her kid, I'd like it more. But I'm like, you don't even deserve your kid. It just doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> I think it's emotionally like, it works for me, but it's like we're like six or seven episodes in and it's already kind of getting repetitive plot wise. So I feel right. like that's where the issue lies. I don't see how they're really going to move it forward with the way it's set up right now right right so those are my honorable mentions all right I just have a couple um one from the Americans when um Elizabeth is upset at Philip that he's so upset about Martha going on the plane and then they just have this fight that just brings up all their shit from their marriage and it's like every little moment from the entire series is represented and it's such a great fight that you have with someone you've known forever Mm -hmm. and he's like do you miss him she's like hell yeah I miss Gregory every day you know and it's just like how much they've lost from living this life and how much they can never really share together it's just such a great fight I guess I love fight scenes (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm so glad that they got their Emmy nominations I really am yeah yeah it's Definitely long overdue. Uh, so another dramatic moment, because I love those, um, which is the pilot of Queen Sugar, which I just love it when Charlie walks out onto the basketball floor and just <laughs> slaps her husband when she sees that video. And she's so humiliated and she's so angry. And again, it's kind of like a drag queen moment. It's just so dramatic <laughs> that it works. And I just loved it so much. That was a really good scene. It's really satisfying. Another one that I loved, which it's, you know, it's not really like an acclaimed show, but goddamn, I love it, which is Younger. And I love all the sexy buildup with her and Charles. I just love it. I could just eat it with a spoon. Just love all of it. (laughs) They are sexy together. Um, I thought about putting fiance getting flattened with a beam yeah this show gets away with stuff that it shouldn't get away with just pure charm (laughs) so 
God, it's such a it's such an enjoyable show. Yeah. yeah, and they keep this love triangle going and her faking her age forever, but it works. It's not like heavy handed. It just works. It's so bizarre. They're brilliant. Yeah, um, they had a really solid finale this uh, this season too. So I'm I'm very excited for season four at some point in 2017. And really thought that they would have run out of story by now, and they have not. It's great. Yeah. So my final um, moment is also not fictional, but it was such a great moment, which is when, um, well, I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but when Nadia wins the Great British Bake Off. Um, oh, yes! Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's this um, Muslim woman with a hijab and everything, and she's just such a fucking delight, and she's so great. And my favorite moment is when Mary Berry is crying and she's just like, it's so wonderful to see someone really live their potential. And it's like, you just feel like women doing it for other women, like supporting each other. And just like, it's just this moment of seeing someone really reach their potential and having other powerful women support them. It's just like, I could cry right now. That's such a great moment. I was sobbing uncontrollably yeah. when when yeah. she won. I just completely lost it. And you know, I cry at Great British Bake Off anyway, but that right. was that was <laughs> Yeah, it's up there with like the women of the Olympics of just like <laughs> awesome women just excelling. And yeah. yeah, she made the Queen's birthday cake and now she's got a show deal and she's just They got to bake for the Queen? No, that's because after winning, the queen asked her to bake her birthday cake. What? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just watch Mary Berry's Tears. I hope that Nadia ends winning. up on season five of The Crown. That's the finale. I mean, just the fact that a woman in a hijab won Great right. British Bake Off. Um, right. All the bullshit that's going on in the UK right now, Brexit, etc. Everything that's going on in the world. And Nadia, Nadia is as British as anyone else on that show. The most British yeah. of British shows. She yeah. is, is just like everyone else there. And I think that that's really lovely. Well, it was nice to not see her as an other. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. She was just... Exactly a baker and she was the best damn baker and she was so great at it. And yeah, it's a feminist triumph. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I really believe that. So those are my moments. There was lots of great moments in the last year and you know, I'm really looking forward to next season of TV. I'm just going to mention one great disappointment of 2016 for me. And this is a shout out to all my outlander girls and guys. The casting of Sophie Skelton as Brianna Randall Fraser is so horrendously wrong, it's going to ruin the rest of the series. <laughs> wow. And, Sorry, yeah. whoever you are. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I mean, people who are Outlander fans, and I know that some of our community are big Outlander fans, um, know that. It's, this isn't about her like not having the right color eyes because in the book she had green eyes and she has brown eyes or whatever. <laughs> it's about the fact that, that Brie is like this Amazon woman and this is important for seasons to come. And this Brie is not that. And I don't think she's a very good actress. And all of her scenes with Roger were super flat and we're stuck with her. And I'm really unhappy about it. So that's my great disappointment of 2016. Outlander's been impeccable with casting, so I don't know what went wrong with this particular choice. No offense, Sophie Skelton. You're just not Brianna. Sorry. Wow. Uh, I'm sorry that that happened to you and to all the Outlander fans. (laughs) Yep. It's a controversial controversial (laughs) statement, but I had to make it. Well, I think uh, I was really, really excited about the OA, and then I watched that first episode, Woo. Uh, and it was and it was bad. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna give it some more episodes, but I was just really ready to be blown away, and I was just like, "Wow, this is bad," and just so gratuitously white. Just I just can't take it anymore, guys. Um, they got they got one they got one trans kid. That's it. It's like everyone's white. 
Yeah, no, there's a, there's a couple characters uh, of color. And it's nice to see Phyllis Smith in there, but yeah, you know, it's a weird show. Um, I watched all of it already, and I do think it's worth watching if you like if you like that sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I quite like Britt Marling in general. I know, Shannon, you and I both think Another Earth is just an amazing, amazing movie. Yeah, it's one um, of the best movies ever. And I, I really like her other movies, too. But I think this is just a little, like, somebody should have come in and asked you about the plot holes. Like, there's this thing in kind of peak TV that's happening right now where creators are maybe given a little too much freedom. And nobody's coming in and reading the scripts and being like, okay, this doesn't make sense if you didn't write it. (laughs) We're going to need a little more explanation here. We're going to, like, maybe we can edit this a little bit, you know, uh... Maybe having an entire episode that's just you monologuing about a backstory isn't the most compelling thing <laughs> in the world. But there is some really interesting stuff there. Um, and in general, uh, I enjoyed it despite the cheesiness. And But I, again, am well known for having a high tolerance for that sort of thing. So. <laughs> right. No. I love weird. I love the maze. I love weird shit. I just don't want it to feel so clunky and I mean it was like laughably bad in parts so but I'm gonna give it more time um but I I I guess the beginning of Sense8 was really bad too but then it came together and it was really interesting so this show is no Sense8 (laughs) unfortunately it is no Sense8 uh god I can't wait for Sense8 Christmas special too um that's gonna be delightful because why is there a Sensei Christmas special? Why like, not? Because Lana Wachowski <laughs> really likes Christmas specials. And I it's swear to God, so that funny. was her reason. That's it. It's so funny. Like, I could see, like, an Orange is the New Black Christmas special before I could see a <laughs> Sense8 Christmas special. It's amazing. It's so weird. I oh, can't imagine. She is on the record stating how much she likes Christmas specials and why can't Sense8 just have one, too. I love it. <laughs> why not? Um, wow, speaking of Orange is the New Black, we didn't mention it at all, but I really uh, quite liked season four, um, <laughs> so I might be in the minority there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, biggest disappointment, I will say that I guess I didn't know how much I wanted Katya to win Roos Paul's Drag Race All-Stars until she didn't, um, <laughs> so that was, that was a disappointment. <laughs> If we're, if we're going to talk getting too invested in reality shows sometimes. I got very invested in, in Drag Race for the All-Star season, and it did not end up the way I thought it should have. So Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> okay, I'll say I am disappointed about, you know, the results of the presidential election. <laughs> this was I our just, safe space, Shannon. You, just you know, I thought it, it was going to turn out differently. You know, I think I interpreted those debates differently. Um so that was a disappointment of 2016. I don't even think the word disappointment is right for that. The devastation, the catastrophe, demise yes. of yeah. democracy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way to way to end on an up note, Shannon. <laughs> well, I was trying to make a joke about it. Well, let's go back and talk about Christmas specials again. There's gonna be one for Call the Midwife. It'll be good. <laughs> right. Okay. I thought about mentioning the thalidomide arc, but I had too many insane downers on my list <laughs> to mention deformed babies along with, like, death right. and sexual assault and everything else I had on my list. All right. Well, we're, we're only ending on downers, so let's, let's, let's turn this around and wrap it let's up. Let's <laughs> turn this around. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Obviously, um, there was a ton of great TV that came out in 2016. Still a lot to catch up on, you know. I haven't watched Atlanta. I, there's so much stuff I haven't watched yet. If all of you could send us your favorite moments, uh, we would love to hear them. Um, you can tweet them at us at DownGabby. You can post them on Facebook on, at our page, which you will find by searching DownGabby. Or you can also find us on Tumblr at DownGabby.tumblr.com. Thank you for listening. If you want to have fun, come on with me. You can stay all night and play with my TV. TV is the thing this year. TV is the thing this year. Radio is great, but it's out of date. TV is the thing this year. Last night I was watching old time mix. 